Jesus. Hello. Oh, hi. Welcome to the Sub Pop Podcast, yeah. Season 2, Episode 8. Hi. Hi. Welcome. I, I'm Arwen Nix, and I'm sitting here with the lovely Alyssa Atkins. Hello, Marwin. Oh, goodness. How was your weekend, Alyssa? It was great. How was your weekend, Arwen? It was pretty good. It was chill. Did you, by chance, do any Spice Girls covers this weekend? Funny you (laughs) ask. (laughs) I'm just randomly asking. Um, Actually, as uh, devoted listeners may remember, we interviewed Stacey Peck last season oh that's a devoted listener that's a devoted listener there's a couple of them and uh stacy is a dear friend of mine and she got married this weekend and i performed at the ceremony (laughs) and i did a toast and her lovely uh now wife oh that's so nice i get to say that her wife shane who is wonderful is a huge spice girls fan so uh jen (laughs) What was doing some covers to perform at the wedding, one of which was Wannabe by the Spice Girls, <laughs> and I did Mel B's part, and I nailed it. I zig a zig ah that shit, and it was great. How'd it feel? I was so scared. I've never sung in front of anyone in my life, other than, like, drunk karaoke or something. <laughs> um, was it the most alive you've ever been? No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Did you dance while you did it too? You know what? I will put a video clip that is on Instagram up in the show notes. Oh my goodness. I haven't seen this yet. No. You'll have to go to the show notes, Alyssa. (laughs) (laughs) What a gift. What a a great gift that you gave your friends. I don't know if it's fair to call it a gift, but it's done. Who are we talking to on the show today? Let's get into who we're talking to because (laughs) they're pretty amazing. Yes. Some powerhouse guests that include Kathleen Hanna and Jessica Hoop. I'm very excited about this episode. I had a really um, insightful time talking to both of them. Insightful? Yeah, I will say that it was insightful. I feel like I learned um, I learned things talking to these, these ladies. It was cool. Well, what more could you ever ask for? I mean, honestly, that and a Spice Girls cover, and I'm good. <laughs> you can call it good. <laughs> oh, wait, we do have, because I do want to get into those interviews, but we do have a little bit, a little, one note to make because I'm quite sure we'll forget. Right. If we save it for the end, we are not putting on an episode next week. We are playing hooky. No, we're not playing hooky. We have a bunch of meetings that we have to take care of, some urine stuff, some business stuff for Sub Pop um, to do the work that we do, Alyssa and I, to keep <laughs> this record label going. Yeah. Because it's really on our shoulders. <laughs> well, okay. One thing that we are talking about that is more or less on our shoulders is the podcast, though. Right? right? Yeah. Like, what are we doing? And so what we're doing right now is <laughs> soliciting. We we're soliciting your ideas for season three because we need your help. We want your help with it. So all, all ideas, weird or not, accepted, you can write us an email or find us on Twitter or on Facebook. Um, our mm-hmm. email is podcast at subpop.com. That's true. Our Twitter is at subpop podcast. Yep. And if you search subpop podcast on Facebook, you can find us there. Yeah. You should tell us some stuff. I think I've just said the name of subpop and the show more than we've ever said them in a Megamart ad just in like the last 30 seconds. Oh, it's so good. Um, that feels good. Yeah. So tell us your ideas right to us. Okay, that can, can business. I talk about Kathleen? Now? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So get us out of the way. Can you just give me like a quick rundown of her bona fides? Because Abs- I would we love could to spend the whole episode 
She is known as the front woman of Bikini Kill, which is a band that uh, was here in Olympia, in Olympia, Washington for mm-hmm. a while, also in DC for a while. And they're the instigators of Riot Girl. Yep. So Bikini Kill really was the first drop in the pond of the ripple effect of Riot Girl, which has then rippled out into more music. Um, and Kathleen Hanna is a fucking badass. <laughs> she was also in La Tigra, which is a band slash kind of multimedia project. And now she's in The Julie Ruin. And they are on Hardly Art. And Jason Baxter, my favorite voice in the office, <laughs> set up a time for me to interview her. I know, so good. And I'm forever grateful. Thank yeah. You, Jason. So what did you do to prepare for this interview? As as you noted, <laughs> you're a longtime fan, so yes. it's not like you needed to brush up on her music or anything. No, but I did anyway. Yeah. So I took I took a couple days and listened to every record um, that she's had anything to do with. Uh-huh. Including like, you know, some stuff she did with Joan Jett. I even found out that she had done some work with Christina Aguilera that oh, never yeah. got put out. Yeah. And so I was like trying to find out more about that. It was just like it was a really great excuse for me to dive deeper into the world of Kathleen Hanna. What was interesting was that I like here I was thinking that I knew all this stuff about her, but my research took me to this place where I was reading these old um, record reviews of the first Bikini Kill EP, and it was so terrible the way people were talking about Bikini Kill and about Kathleen and Riot Girl music and in Riot general. Girl music and just you know and some of the other punk music that was happening at the yeah. time. It was incredibly dismissive and reductive. Like these reviews and we will link to the the one specifically that like I was I was fired in, up. I was yelling in my living room about. I think I came into work the next day and was like pretty shouty about it <laughs> as well. But it Be- was reductive. It was no, so No, I dismissive. totally agree because it wasn't just I don't care for this music and here's my critique of it. Yeah. It was just who do these girls throwing temper tantrums think that they are? writing on their tummies and magic markers. I mean, it was just, it had actually nothing to do about the music. It was ageist. It was reductive. It at one point said, you know, they shouldn't, basically like they shouldn't be shouting because what, like women can catch more flies with fucking honey or some shit. I don't know. But it, 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 it was awful. And to go back to that time, mm-hmm. like when we were talking about this, I remember to go back and really revisit what it was like at that time while while this Riot Girl movement was happening, how it was being received, yeah. was a good like reminder of that the way that we see it now wasn't the way it felt then. No, it is this like, it's almost this revisionist history when you think about it. Yeah. And, um, but it was really, it, I was really grateful that I went back to those record reviews before I talked to her because it did make me want to talk to her about her songwriting and how it's evolved from the beginning yeah um because she's been in this game for a minute and she's been killing it and so that's how it starts awesome what's the first song you remember writing the first thing that pops to mind is that i was reading the bible and i was like nine and I don't know what passage it was, but it was something about like that women shouldn't adorn their faces or something like that. And I got it made me really mad because <laughs> I was like, my mom wears lipstick and eyeshadow. She's not a bad person. And so I wrote this song called um, "It Goes Like the Bible Says Makeup Is a Fake Up, <laughs> Not 
fair. <laughs> not fair. <laughs> so I guess it was kind of some of my really early pre-feminist work, but I practiced it in my room. I made up like a bunch of lyrics, and then I went downstairs and I performed it for my mom and dad, and they were like, "Oh my god, you're so messed up." <laughs> they were just like, "That's what you've been doing in your room is writing this like." My my really proudest moment in the song was the line, "Makeup is a fake up." I mean, <laughs> it's not a bad line. I'm up with up. It's like Hotel California. <laughs> So what was your songwriting process like in Bikini Kill? Because I know that you were doing poetry and so much writing at the time, but how did you develop those into songs? Well, I mean, some of those are actually like poems from high school, like Feels Blind was a poem I wrote in high school. Other stuff was just like, I started realizing how song structure went. So I started kind of like, actually, I had all this poetry in a file folder and I'd bring it to rehearsal and then I would see what fits. Sometimes I was just like, no, none of it's working. So I would just start kind of shouting and be like, get the vibe of the song. And then um, I just started writing poetry in the form of lyrics, if that makes sense. Like I sort of understood that there's going to be like a refrain or a chorus. So I need to have like a really cool line that will repeat. And I would just find a good line. I also was really into writing in my journal just any cool title of something that I thought of. Like Revolution Girl Style Now was in my journal for like a year before I ever said it. What did you learn about yourself as a musician and a songwriter working alone versus being in a band when you were working on Julie Ruin? I learned I could do it by myself. The band was kind of imploding at that time, so it was like, and I just needed to keep making music because I was going through a really hard time um, personally. So I was like, the only thing I know how to do when I'm going through a hard time personally is to write songs. And and so I got and just barely enough stuff that I could make songs up by myself. And, and it was so freeing because I could just sing my ass off whenever I wanted. I didn't have to wait for a band. And I could just experiment. And it totally helped me as a musician because... Typically, I'd work with male engineers and mastering people and stuff. And, you know, I realized I really knew what sound I wanted. And I learned how to achieve them by turning the knobs myself. And so when we were in a studio session, I took it as like, wow, this is great. Somebody else is turning the knobs. I don't have to do that part. All I have to do is know what I want and tell them. And if they don't know how to make it work, I actually can reach over the board and make it work. Like, though you've been vulnerable throughout your career, you said that you were able to be more vulnerable with what you're writing about on Hit Reset than even the previous The Julie Ruin record. Why do you feel that is? I think it's because I'm out of the really bad... Um, I, I had this illness, and I was sick for a while, and it wasn't looking that good for me um, for a few years there. <laughs> and so it's like, I think I kind of came out of it with this feeling of, like, no holds barred. Like, you know what I mean? Like, people have car crashes and stuff and almost die, like, near-death experiences and, um, you know, or just, like, four years of intense suffering. And then you're just, like, I'm just happy for 
I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was like always waiting to like sort of talk about my dad until he passed away. But there became this new sort of like thing in my life where I was like, if I want to be really healthy, I need my brain to be healthy. I need my mind and body together. I know it's woo-woo kind of stuff, but like I've always just lived from the neck up and pretended my body was just not even there. So I was like, I got to connect these two so that I can get healthy. And part of that was getting rid of all of this baggage from my family. You also are able, in your vulnerability, to use humor. I'm thinking of the song, particularly Mr. So-and-so, and the fact that, like... Yeah. I hear it, and it is exhausting, but it's also funny. I jump out of my plane in a parachute that says girls roll with a Slater Kitty t-shirt on, and when I win, you know, I'm just going to have to demand a book list. Just, you just write it out my hand and make sure it tells me why feminism needs to exist. Take a picture of me. Oops, I stuck a kiss. Come on, it was just a joke. My girlfriend's a really big fan. Silence, silence. I'll wear you like a shield to hide me from what I really feel. And criticism, by the way, you play so good for a girl, and thanks for all you do. Pat, pat on the head. Stand your clothes, now go. Like, I haven't listened to it and not at least laughed once just because of how fucking true it is. Like, you just see these moments happen. I haven't experienced these moments, but they're, they're but just you so have true. But you have in different ways. Yeah. Like, that's the, that's the thing is, like, I feel like people can be like, oh, yeah, I remember that time when I was in a meeting and I was sitting against the wall and everybody else was talking. And I had a real idea that I told somebody about in the hallway. And then he said it was his own idea. We all know about bad sound guys. We all know about like the jerks in the, you know, underground music world that we should avoid. And a lot of times I've just kept quiet and I've, you know, to be honest, sucked a lot of dick and that's metaphorical, but I've sucked a lot of dick and just put up with it because I don't care. I don't care if I have to like get dirty and do something that I don't want to do in order to get what I want. I don't fucking care. It doesn't make me a lesser person. It makes them a lesser person for making me be like that. So fuck them. I'm going to, you know, do as little as I possibly can dick sucking. And then I'm going to like get on with my business. But it's true. You sometimes have to do it. And that's just the truth. And like I tell young girls when they ask me stuff about, you know, being in the music business, which I don't, I still don't really feel like I'm a proper card carrying member, but (laughs) it's like sometimes you got to you know, do stuff you don't want to do the same way with any job. And with women, it's even more stuff. And a lot of times it's like you got to humiliate yourself in front of somebody to make them feel like top dog. But the thing is, if you're strong in yourself and you know that you're actually the top dog, it doesn't matter what they do to you. You know you're just going to tell this person whatever they want to hear so you can get the fuck away from them and get back to work. So then all that being said, when you're saying like, if you know you're the top dog, if you're metaphorically sucking dick sometimes, but you know you're the top dog, (laughs) like, 
doesn't it ever just fucking exhaust you? Like, how do you keep your head high in that? Because, like, I'm exhausted just being a woman living, and I'm not in the spotlight. So how do you stay no, strong? No, I'm, to- I'm totally, I'm totally exhausted. I mean, I stay strong because I'm really lucky that I have fans who come up and tell me, like, I became a women's studies teacher because of you. Or, you know, I was sexually assaulted last year, and I couldn't make it through without your music. And, like, that to me, more than money... More than having, you know, a trailer to do my warm-up in before we go on stage or having our own bathroom somewhere. More than any of that or how much we get paid, it's like, I'm successful. Like, I'm super successful because I set out to spread feminism and I believe that I helped do that. And I believe that I helped people open up what that means. And I believe that I got girls interested in political history and in our political future and that to me feels like so valuable and when I think about giving up I just think about them. want to use the line you can't say goodbye before I get my hello in my real life (laughs) at some point I will have a chance I'm quite sure so good I also really like when she says I learned I could do for myself because that's good to learn in life yes and Kathleen Hannah you can count her as one of the members of the club of uh, people I've been able to interview that have made me cry for, for this project so that's Tad and Kathleen now. really yeah just when she was talking about how when she's exhausted and she wants to give up and you have to put up with all this like nonsense and just like deal with it and get on with yourself so that you can do for yourself um, and how like when she's tired what keeps her going is that she's gotten people involved in feminism and mm-hmm. like the greater impact of her work as an artist Oh, it was really nice. It was really touching. Like she was so gracious talking to her and that was pretty amazing. Wow. Yeah. That's great. <sighs> you know who else is gracious? Who is gracious? Stuart. Is he really? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to play a sub pop band game. Okay. I'm going to name a sub pop band. Okay. And then you're going to name one. And whoever can't think of one after three seconds first is a loser oh okay you this ready? sounds like high pressure it is a high pressure megamart ad okay and i'm gonna start with father dynasty css shabazz palaces level up slater kinney piss jeans shins slater kinney <laughs> <laughs> this is too hard Soundgarden. Mudhoney. nirvana uh, um, um, clipping. Tad. Uh, um, let's spin hands. Iron and wine. Uh, band of horses. Love is laughter. Um, he- heroic doses. <laughs> Grand archives. Five style. Oh, five style. All right. Um. Oh shit! I think I just lost. <laughs> I think you did. So it is high pressure. Yeah. Where do people go to buy Sub Pop stuff? You can buy Sub Pop stuff at megamart.subpop.com. Great.
So that was some advertising from us. <laughs> I wish Silence. you guys could see Alyssa's face when she says advertising. Oh, I do boy. an exceptional job with those ads. You do. You know it. I agree. Listeners love them. They love that we're not actually selling them anything. <laughs> we're trying. We do Taking what we can. it seriously, sort of. You know, we're losers. All right. So Jessica Hoop. Jessica. Let's talk about Jessica Hoop. Yeah. Okay. I would All right. love to. You first. So Jessica is an artist who has been on tour with the Eels, with uh, Peter Gabriel, with Elbow, with Andrew Bird. She has been in, she's also been in this game for a minute since we're talking about people who have been in this game for a minute. Yeah. She's got some real songwriting bona fides too. Totally. And I know she was on Jonathan Poneman's radar for quite a while. She first put out a record with Sub Pop uh, in collaboration with Sam Beam earlier mm-hmm. this year. Love Letter for Fire. Yep. And then just recently we released her new video and song and news of her first full length yeah memories are now is coming out in february of 2017 and she so she was in town to stop by sub pop and to make the video that's now out no the video was in la and then she flew up here to meet with us and start planning and then she did the video quick turnaround we put it out in november but it was just a few weeks ago that she was here to do her meeting and meet with us and get all into the nitty-gritty of letting us talk with yeah, her she was like, she was time. like walking through the hallway when we like pulled her in yeah 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 <laughs> and uh but it was fun it was fun to talk to her and I think that something that was interesting was it's I'm glad that we're playing these two interviews in the same episode because this interview I did um this interview because this interview was influenced for me by the interview that I did with Kathleen how so having a conversation with her about her songwriting process and how that evolved had me really wondering more about it and how that's different for different people. Yeah. And um, I'm just going to get a little bit on a feminist soapbox for a second. Ah. I think that something that women who are in music get asked all the time is what is it like to be a woman in music? I've noticed that actually. Yeah. And it drives me crazy. Yeah. And for those who are like, well, that's very interesting. And there are glass ceilings to be broken and what have you. Like, sure, sure, sure. But like, you're not asking a dude, like, what is it like to be a dude in music? You're asking a dude about his songwriting. Uh-huh. And um, so to be able to take the chance and be like, oh, cool. I get to ask these women about their songwriting. It was just really exciting. Um, stop asking women what it's like to be a woman in music. Maybe ask them about their songwriting or about being a wilderness guide or whatever it is. But like, <laughs> stop saying, what is it like to be a woman in music? So I asked Jessica about her songwriting. You asked her about songwriting and being a wilderness guide? Is that right? Yes. Will you tell me about what it was like when you were a guide in the wilderness of Arizona for teens? That was very challenging. That was like, um almost like I was the teen. <laughs> it's like, uh... They give you, they give you these packs of food because they have to, by law, give you a certain caloric value every week because they're not having anybody die on them. And so, what, I'm sorry, just like, can you explain the circumstance of, of what you're doing being a guide for these teens? Yeah, let's start at the beginning. Okay, so <laughs> in, in the high mountain desert in Arizona, there are kids who have been sent there either by the state or by their parents, or, or sometimes they volunteer themselves to help them 
develop because these kids, most of them have attitude issues or are struggling in school or, or maybe just want a challenge. But most of them are there because they've gotten into some kind of trouble. So like Outward Bound would be a parallel, but this one's a really hardcore version um, in the way that there's no camp, there's no... Um, it's all it's all like really extreme elemental like you're out in in all of the elements all their clothing is taken from them like they're given what they wear they're given a sleeping bag a string a pad of paper a pencil a cup and a dull knife and that's all they have and they have to make a backpack out of those things they cook out of the cup they make a spoon with the knife and then they in order to advance through the program and in order to actually eat, they have to learn how to make fire by friction. Uh, they're not taught, they have to ask, which is something that is really valuable because wow. um, usually, well, a lot of these ki- kids, they suffer from being handed to. Everything is handed to them. So they have to, like, ask and do it for themselves. So that's the, you know, the premise that they get basically their asses kicked by nature. <laughs> and I did. I got my ass kicked and you were, by nature. So you were the guide. I was the guide. And, you know, there's usually two, two guides that go out. And, and you, you go out for eight days, then you come inland for, or out, off the mountain uh-huh. for four or six days, and then out for, you know, to give the, the guides rest. Because uh, us out there too long is a, is a bit too much responsibility. Um, because we're looking after them. Another uh, key interesting part about the program is the kids are free to go. At um, any point? Well, they're not actually... They'll be brought back. But see, if they leave, and a lot of them want to leave, if they leave, you can't stop them. You have to follow them. And you can kind of, like, talk them out of leaving, but you have to follow them. And if they decide they want to get lost, you're going to get lost with them. I realize that that I'm such a romantic that I, I really um, don't want to be that beat up by... Like, I would never be in The Revenant, for instance. Like, that would be really hard for me. I, I romanticize everything. And experiencing it, I, I kind of like... I'm really tough in songs. But I'm, I'm not sure I'm necessarily as tough in life. process as a songwriter oh do you feel that cloud coming over (laughs) it's raining in here (sighs) what is it like um i call my this is gonna sound pretentious but i do i i call my uh, my writing room my torture chamber yeah yeah it's not maybe as romantic as you view other things (laughs) torture chamber is terribly romantic Why do you think we can't keep on reenacting I torture chambers? True. Yeah, the sexualization of it as well. People do love it. <laughs> I know. Get him as naked as possible. <laughs> Stick things in him. So tell me about your torture chamber. I'm not going to tell you about my torture chamber. I'll tell you what happens <laughs> in my torture chamber. Because my torture chamber lately, while we've been building our house, has been the bed. If there is any amount of discipline that has to go in with getting a tune written, which oftentimes there is because there's a timeline which you have to work, there's 
a brood, a brooding feeling like uh, I'm under that cloud. Like, because you have to conjure. You don't always know that you have something to say. Of course, you've been living life and life has been presenting you with these challenges. You've been meeting people and talking and living. But you don't always know what you have to say. It's hard to find that sometimes. And so you have to, I, I walk around under kind of a, a cloud for a while. I'll give it an hour. I'll say, okay, five days this week. I'll give it at least an hour. If I can't conjure that start, I will not continue. And I don't believe in um, dry spells. You don't? I do not. How come? In the same way that um, dormancy isn't death, like winter. Is winter a dry spell? When the leaves have all fallen and all the work is underground. That's the thing. The roots are all doing their work and the leaves are giving back to the ground. It's not a dry spell. It's a very productive time. It's just that you don't, you don't, it's not acute. It doesn't come to the surface until it comes to the surface. So I don't believe in dry spells. I believe in the struggle <laughs> to get from the roots to the leaves, but I don't believe in dry spells. I think it's a very dangerous thing to say to yourself because it, you question your own, you say, oh, my creative days are over. Have you ever questioned yourself in that way? No. Do you remember writing your first song? I do. What was it? Tell me about that. It was a song about my best friend. It was like, uh, I, I mean, I could remember it if I really tried, but <laughs> and I probably had like eight sections, A, B, C, D, E, F, and G sections, you know, and no chorus, but <laughs> they were probably all choruses. Yeah. It was actually about my two best friends, Julie and Kendra, and, uh, I would walk and, and like, because I walked, you know, to school and stuff. So I would just sing and walk. It sounds like walking is a big part of your life. It is. I, I'm a huge walker. What do you gain from it? Free, free mind space. It, yeah, it unravels my mind. And I can see the landscape in my mind. Where, whereas if I'm setting up a record or whatever else, I'm, I'm, cluttered with details when you're walking are you listening to music never something that you mentioned to me after you interviewed Jessica that felt so good to actually hear was her talking about there's no such thing as a dry spell yes I'm obsessed with that sentiment now. It's so good. It was like a weight off my shoulders. As someone who likes to make things and draw and create and do things, like I, when I'm when I'm not doing that, I feel like a failure. Removing that from it to be like, you are in process and in this part of the process, you're just like resting or figuring things out. 
yeah, so that, that you can make something there's later. stuff bubbling up that it's yeah. not it's not wasted time yeah that was valuable so thank you jessica for talking to us and thank you kathleen for talking to us as well we're gonna have more info on both of them in the show notes absolutely and other stuff so pop fm Spice Girls covers, weird record reviews. We got Who knows? a bunch of stuff there. Who this knows week. what you're gonna find? You know, wait, really quick before we get into all the credits. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I've been really trying to notice more is when I get like um, good perspective or good inspiration kind of out of nowhere. And if yeah. you will indulge me, I got some fucking great inspiration this weekend. Did you? Are I you did. Take a minute for a recommendation. Maybe that's what it's called. It's not a video corner. I need to take a minute. <laughs> You know how there can be, there's just great art everywhere. It's just a matter of finding it and discovering it. And so this is not new. I'm surprised I hadn't heard it before, but kind of not really. Yeah. So Leonard Cohen was a long time, lifelong favorite of mine. And I, whenever I listened to Leonard Cohen music, I just wanted to hear Leonard Cohen doing Leonard Cohen songs. I never really listened to it. You're a purist. I guess so. I didn't think of myself that way, but in retrospect, that's what it was, right? And so then... This weekend, and just like wanting all things Leonard Cohen, because I was sad, I found this Roberta Flack cover of Hey, That's No Way to Say Goodbye, and it's like, it exploded my brain. I just loved it so much, and because I loved that so much, I ended up going to the album that she released that, that, that song on, and the whole fucking album is great, and then I just felt like I was in a fucking manic state of how much I loved it, and how much I appreciated the fact that this artist that I was sad that is gone helped me find this other artist that I've liked some of her music, but I've never gone like all in on an album of hers before. And it was because of her covering his music after he, you know, and finding this cover after he's gone Aww. of this like, you know, tribute to this, this amazing songwriter through and then discovering this other musician's work. Well, amazing. Then I found out that a sample of her cover of Hey, That's No Way to Say Goodbye was looped on Lil' Kim's Queen Bitch. Oh, my God. And it's like a three-second sample, and I loved that song off Hardcore from the 90s. I was just, couldn't have been happier. Oh, I want to recommend something now. Can yeah. So, something? okay, so yes, I recommend that album. Maybe Please we should do this at the end of episodes. We can just each recommend something. That... And ask for what other people are listening yeah, to. Yeah, because I love getting other people's Okay, so what's yours? It's a podcast. Ooh, all right. <laughs> Offshore is a podcast that's being made in Hawaii. And it's a podcast that actually takes apart two different murders that happened and looks at like the really rich and intense and complicated racial history of Hawaii when it comes to Native Hawaiians and like this idea of what Hawaii was and how Hawaii was taken from the Hawaiian people. Oh, that's listening. amazing. Yeah, it had me, had me in my seat. Knocked me down a little. It's good. That's awesome. Yeah. Music you heard oh, on the credits, show today. Right. Mud Honey, The Julie Ruin, Jessica Hoop, Sam Beam and Jessica Hoop, Taco Cat, Proto Martyr, Carissa's Weird, and Colleen Green. Well, all right. Were there any other credits that we needed to do? We should probably thank our bosses. Oh, sure. Let's thank them. Thank you. Thanks. And the staff. <laughs> yeah. And the listeners. Thank you, listeners. You're all the right. best. And we will be back in December. Congratulations on your marriage, Stacey and Shane. Oh, that's nice.
And can I tell you that you look like Madonna? <laughs> you know that, right? I have heard that before. I you really do. appreciate it. You could, you're her doppelganger. <laughs>